Do you know what time it is? It's time for the Workforce Show, where you will learn the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM. folks. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we have two guests. Uh, they're co-founders of a company. I'll tell you about the company, but it's uh, it, it affects everything we do and, and how we live and where we live. And uh, so it's especially interesting to me to have uh, this conversation. And I want to introduce you to Theo Gertrman and Fermi, Fermi Adelukan. Thanks for having us. Yeah. (laughs) I was worried. I was worried. Uh, They're co-founders of City 78. It's it's an urban design company. I think, would you call it an urban design company? Yeah, well, urban design, urban analytics, and informatics. Um, So, Informatics and those. Okay, so we'll start off by having you explain all what that means, what your company does. Hmm. Well, yeah, so we, we do urban planning analysis for cities and jurisdiction uh, jurisdictions. Uh, what we do is we analyze the way people are experiencing the built environments, um, uh, you know, what they do, where they go to, places they visit, um, the problems they might be finding in, in the neighborhoods uh, they, they are in. And we um, sort of gather this in, in the form of big data and through our analysis, we're able to pinpoint um, solutions for place managers um, that they can use in policy actions to actually make um, their, you know, the cities better uh, and make the, the experience of those that stay in these places better. So two major things we, we, we try to tackle is, uh, one is improving the quality of life for all in the urban area, urban space. At the same time, uh, finding the points um, to improve the economic and uh, economic innovation for uh, you know cities and and local businesses. So, uh, do you which do you prefer, or which is more appropriate, uh, your urban design or a data analytics company? Well, I think it's a it's a little bit of both. Uh, so to actually get to the stage where you're analyzing data, you actually have to understand the the, the urban, uh, the city itself, and that's a lot of urban design. That's a lot of urban planning. Um, but we we just go with uh, urban analytics because at the end of the day, is all data is all information, and the processing of the information is what urban we Urban analytics. Yeah. So Theo, you're a, a data person, and that's right. and you're the data person, and Femi is the architect, the in, the urban designer, and got your brains together and explosion. Yeah. (laughs) So can you tell me what you see as the data part of this? Definitely. So I I feel that, you know, having planning and then also having someone who's familiar with uh, processing and 
being able to transform raw data into something that's uh, transformed into information that we can now act on is um, a really important thing to have everyone at the same table these days, right? So you don't want to have separate conversations where, you know, you have a data science team doing one thing and then you have planners doing another thing. But you actually want everyone sitting at the same table. So that's that's what we actively try and do with our team, with uh, bringing other people on our team and just between ourselves. Uh, so having data um, simply isn't enough, but having data that we can now understand and then create tangible solutions for communities, that's that's data worth having. You know, I, I'm glad you said that because I have become much more inclined to, to have a show based on you have technology and you have a problem to solve. Mm. And so what problem are you solving with your technology? Do you agree? Yeah, that that's a, that's a question that we've been asking uh, people that are in the forefront of the city, you know, the whole smart cities thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's a buzzword nowadays, you know, smart cities. Uh, so we pose this question to uh, in every situation we are when we're having roundtable conversations. We're like, um, why are you making the technology you know is it is it just to be to be the next person inventing something new or is it actually solving a social economic problem or you know is it making people's lives better is it making people's lives easier um, and that's what we try to always address um, we have so many data sources already um, as we speak um, so, what, so what we do is to take a step back and look at the resources we already have and turn that into uh, solutions to the problems um, that we are experiencing in urban areas. Um, and I can give you a quick example. Um, so the metro generates data of trains passing uh, each station every day. That's data that's just there. It's just for, it's like you clocking in and clocking out. Um, that's what the data is being generated for. Um, that can be used for a bunch of solutions. It could be used to figure out um, what time more trains should pass to be more effective to get people from point A to B or you know, a range of other solutions. And that's just an example of you know, data already existing. Do you need to build you know, new uh, technology? Do you need... Uh, yeah, do you need like face, you know, scanning cameras throughout the metro stations to understand traffic, you know, transit counts? No, people scan their cards already. So if we're able to create these data ecosystems instead of silo data, <clears throat> and what we do is, is you know, intentionally try and uh, encourage students, professors, you know, our own staff to um, use, you know, this new kind of community generated data. Uh, for you know, social good applications for understanding economic development, understanding communities. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely all about data sharing and about uh, applying it to problems. Yeah. But is the problem so large? Like we're just talking about the urban area. That's what, what we're talking about now. Is the problems are the problems so broad and so large that you have to break it up into parts and have people handle different parts? Or are you Saying you collaborate. Well, I mean, there there's certain um, aspects of the problem, and you're right. The problem is, you know, when you're talking about cities, there are a bunch of things going I mean, on. And the smart cities. cities. I mean, even you take a smart city model, everything has a, mm. you know, the, the people who walk and the traffic lights are all that are smart. Yeah, um, and that brings me to to, to a point of uh, describing what we do a little bit more, which is 
taking a, a participatory planning approach. So we try to involve the whole community in our planning process so everyone is represented and everyone is accounted for. That way you don't have just a select group of people um, giving feedback or you know posing questions or comments about certain problems that they might have, but you are able to now expand your sample size with uh, the data aspects. Um, that way your solutions are more informed and it captures uh, a more representative sample in the in the community, or, so, or can solutions be too broad to not not satisfy anybody? Well, I I think it's exciting what we do in that you know there are massive problems right where mm. you know the world's population is ever moving towards cities. We have you know city national instabilities, you know food shortages, cli- changing climates, and and through all of that. Uh, we have to ask ourselves, when people are moving to cities, are we trying to just fit people into the existing built environment, you know, all the buildings that are already there? Or are we trying to build around the communities that are moving there, the communities that already exist there? And so we take this approach that you can actually optimize economic potential of an area by really diving into the place identity and diving into how people are actively creating this space. Uh, every day, their day-to-day experiences, the kinds of events they host, uh, you know, who they live with, uh, who they choose to live with, all of those things factor you into... You know who they live with in your data? So, I mean, so for example, ACS or the census collects, uh, uh-huh. are you living with a, a family member who doesn't speak English as a first language? You know, these kinds of, th- this kind of data is, is extremely helpful in establishing uh, a sense of the communities who occupy the space. And where we come in is we capture data from uh, unconventional sources, from review data, for, from people talking about their Airbnbs, right? And by pulling in all of these other kinds of data sources, we're able to understand how do people perceive cities, right? And how do they perceive it at a really granular local level? And by adding all of these different layers of data of people talking about the cities they live in, we can now plan around these really, really big issues at a really granular level because we have such data formed from human experience. And so having, having data that, uh, about people's talking about their day-to-day commutes, right? Reviewing a metro station. Well, how do you hear that? How do you get that data? Yeah, so if someone is, is really upset about a metro station because they're really late for work, and this was the fourth time in a row, right? Yeah, so how do you get that data? So they might, you know, review the metro station itself, right? And they'll say, you know, this metro station is great, the elevator always works, but the train is always late, right? And so they're posting it on something like, um, you know, Google or on Yelp, and these are publicly posted comments of people wanting to share their experiences about the city, and we capture, you know, exclusively publicly posted data that people are talking about their experiences at a restaurant, at an aquarium, you know, at a park. You know, they can talk about, you know, I love this park. Whenever I'm in the city, I always come to this park and I always bring my friend's dog. And that kind of information is really important to know, right? Or I always come here with my friends. Uh, So we can actually track where are people's favorite places, where do people feel a sense of history, a sense of community. Um, that that data that you just described is all volunteer. It's it's definitely. what people you're you're going to sources that people have volunteered mm-hmm. to enter the data, right? And yep. does that affect the overarching data and, and solutions that you come up with as opposed to data that comes from you know 
hard counts and mm-hmm. that was that's I think one of the most exciting things is that it's not data about people. Yeah. We aren't saying in this area, you know, 30% of the population is Hispanic. We would say, you know, throughout all the businesses, public spaces, uh, you know, Spanish was, the, you know, used in 15% of the reviews of all the businesses here. And so it's not data about people. It's actually data from people of sharing their own experiences. Mm-hmm. And so if you have the right tools, which is, you know, what we work on continuously to process, you know, that quantity of data and then also process it in a way that we can extract uh, people's, ex- you know, unique experiences, then we can start aggregating and understand how do people feel about one park? How do people feel about all the parks? How do people feel about an entire neighborhood or an entire city? Or compare cities, you know? Well, uh, from that point, from jumping off from that point, can you give us some examples of uh, you're in D.C. And, and are you in Virginia at all? Or in Maryland? Well, can you give um, us some examples? Of, of like projects we've worked yeah. on? Mm-hmm. Well, we've worked on a couple of, uh, of, of initial projects for, for business improvement district and just building up uh, tools for them to use to track urban performance of, you know, their districts. Uh, one that comes to mind would be a project we worked on in Adams Morgan, and we're tracking uh, the business performance and the activity centers in Adams Morgan. So what we did was figure out the businesses that stayed opened uh, the state opened uh, for, for the most hours during the day, and we tried to figure out how much revenue they make per hour um, based off the hours of operation and the people that go there and how much those people spend. Um, and the next level, of course, would be to, was to analyze uh, what people are saying about these places. Do they have concerns at all? Um, you know, do they feel safe when they were walking back home at night? And that adds another layer um, to our analysis to just create this this wholesome picture about how the urban area is performing. And to, to also answer your initial questions about, you know, um, traditional sources of data like census, demographics, we actually still use that as, you know, the starting point of our analysis to understand what is going on in the neighborhood, um, who stays here, what is the community that already exists. Um, median income and um, a host of other data points. And that way we are able to now have a very, very uh, wholesome picture um, about the neighborhood and how it's performing. So Adams Morgan uh, is is one of the cases that we worked on. I always like to talk about that one because it it, it came out um, very, very uh, well. Um, And we're we're working on a, a couple of other um, projects in terms of just tracking how people perceive space. I think what, what is important is the problem we're trying to solve is uh, the mismatch between housing uh, and offices. Housing and, and offices? Yes. And we believe that this is the major problem why it's hard to build community. Um, it's hard to have you know, neighborhoods that are actually not just neighborhoods where people stay, but at the same time communities where people know themselves and, you know, they trust each other. Um, That mismatch creates a situation where you are spending almost uh, 80% of your time during the week in another look, in one location, while you're spending so much little time at you know your home. So you're you're almost like a stranger living at home. Yeah. Um, But once 
we start to move towards neighborhoods and communities that have those two locations closer together, then we can now start, you know, tackling the problem of, okay, how do we now build community um, if, we, if we are able to solve the initial problem of that mismatch. And the biggest mismatch that you see is between where people work and where people live. Yes. And that you're trying to combine. So uh, on uh, Capitol Riverfront, where I live, yeah. I'm, a, I'm from Virginia, but I moved <laughs> to uh, D.C. Uh, about seven years ago. I was one of the founding mothers of the Capitol Riverfront. That's great. Um, uh, what? How is that? Can you describe that neighborhood? And I'll tell you whether you're right or wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, uh, no, I'm being, I shouldn't say that. So I'm. That's so fine. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the Capitol Riverfront is. I think it's a. Uh, it's a great example of a neighborhood that has gone through uh, a range of changes from somewhere that no one wanted to go, uh, a neighborhood that had a very terrible reputation, to a neighborhood that is one of the fastest growing neighborhoods in, in the national capital region. Um, and I think that they've done that by actually harnessing the organic character of the neighborhood and through that, just envisioning and forecasting what a neighborhood can become, um, the the park, for instance, Yards Park, and you know the the by the waterside, um, just taking the natural elements of the neighborhood. I think the planners and the bid were able to look at the possibilities, look at the things um, that the neighborhood can can achieve or what it can become, mm. and they were able to balance the uses. Um, to create a scenario where the neighborhood is actually able to speak or cater to a large audience. So it doesn't really matter what age you are or what you're looking for in an urban space. You'll, you, you know, you'll, you'll find one or two offerings within the neighborhood that will speak to mm -hmm. you to either make you come there to visit, come there to shop, or just plan out, move out there and, and rent an apartment. So I think that, I think they good, did a good job in in you know uh, positioning the neighborhood. Well, there may maybe more stores coming. They have built so many buildings, and the first floors are empty now. So uh, I don't think they have enough stores to shop in. I mean, women's stores, men's stores, uh, but uh, they're they're getting there. I think that um, the urban planning part of it is uh, is unique, but I think it's in other areas too, like. Uh, in Adams Morgan, people who live there have they work and they live there, right? Yeah. Uh, in uh, uh, Mount Vernon area, uh, there's a lot of you know people who work and live in that area. Yeah. And now that the Capitol Riverfront is a combination, they have uh, the NAB is is opening. They're building a National Association of Broadcasters. It's building a huge building. There and, and Department of Transportation. It's really nice, though, if you're living in an, in an area where there's these large companies, because on the weekends those people go home, mm -hmm. and you have you have your city, you have your your quiet area yeah. as well. Uh, so I'm wondering, there's this, they just uh, uh, seeded a uh, plot of ground in the middle of the urban area. And uh, I don't know why they're doing that, but it'll be interesting to see. Uh, now you you have the you term the the uh, you coined the term urban 
design or the right um, organic place or identity organic. development. Yeah, is that what is this all this is about? Urban. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, uh, first of all. Um, we believe that places that are able to achieve and, and harness their unique attributes would better be placed better to achieve uh, um, economic advantage in terms of compe- they're, they're competing unique neighborhoods. Attributes like work and people and, yes. and, their, and their levels of skills and the kind of yeah. home that, and that, And in combination to, to with the, the actual... Um, natural elements of the neighborhood too uh, you know if there's a if there's a river for instance or the topography whatever it is that actually makes the the neighborhood uh, distinct um, for Capitol Riverfront for instance is in, it's in the south of DC and it's right next to Capitol Hill mm-hmm. um, that's a unique attribute that's a unique element now it's now left for the place managers or the neighborhood themselves uh, to realize that you know there are certain elements that are unique about our neighborhood and how do we leverage it um, to economic advantage? Because what we find is um, neighborhoods are in competition with which with each other um, for people and for, businesses exactly for skilled professionals um, for large internet uh, you know large firms uh, large offices so neighborhoods that are able to achieve a level um, where they can position themselves as unique, um, as somewhere people should come to, um, they are, in a, they will be in a better place to um, not only attract, you know, skilled professionals, but also attract um, businesses and tourists. You and, know, um, and so on. I heard you know the company Streetwise. Mm-hmm. They're they're. I heard uh, one of their architects describe how uh, how they built, how why they built a, 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 a store there, a business there, and it depends on how much traffic goes by during the day, et cetera, et cetera. And you are doing the same thing, but with with traffic, with cars, et cetera. We can talk about cars later because we are running out of time, and I have a special beef when it comes to cars <laughs> and auto. I think this being there. There's a great disservice to people who have cars, and, and so we'll talk about that. But before uh, before we do, before next time, uh, I want to ask you uh, about your backgrounds. I mean, you're, you tell me about your background. Uh, my background is I, I studied government as an undergrad, and I uh, focused a lot on computer science as well, uh, always informally, but now, you know, doing a lot of our own product development here. And you're urban... Yeah, for, uh, I, I studied um, urban sociology in, in undergrad, and uh, I went to uh, I went to Georgetown for urban and regional planning for grad school. Okay. So it's a, okay. it's a marriage. So now we're at the point in time in in your career and your business. You have you've grown a business. I know you you participate in our our career workshop, our first one uh, on data science, and and I, I didn't realize you were a data data science person then, and I'm glad you were, and I'm glad you came. Uh, is there what is well? I was thinking about Amazon moving into this area. They they uh, the the Commonwealth of Virginia has uh, has given. Uh, uh, the school, uh, Virginia Tech, money to develop an innovative center. And so data science is going to be one of those areas that they 
that mm-hmm. they, they look at for master's degrees and, and PhDs. Uh, where do you see data science and going in the future? Well, I, there's conversations always like on Medium and, and online and LinkedIn and whatnot. People always like to say data science is, uh, you know, is, is it just its own thing or does it need to be tied to a specific, you know, industry or sector, or, uh, you know, field of study? Uh, I think that, you know, data science is, it's, it's really broad and it's ever growing more broad, especially as, you know, more fields of study are included uh, and you find new applications for it, like we, what we do. Um, but yeah, where it's going, yeah, I think it'll be increasingly integrated, but it's really about finding the right uses for it. So we get a lot of applicants come to us or, you know, apply to our, our internships and, uh, quite excited about it, you know, and we always don't want to just see, we don't just want to see, you know, more projects that they've done, but really how have they applied it in an interesting way. Uh, and so we've had, you know, been inundated with, with, uh, you know, spring internships and we've launched City78 Labs to let people explore our data and explore our scripts and tools. Um, and yeah, we're excited to see these data scientists apply it into a field that they're somewhat familiar or uh, unfamiliar, but they're really excited about learning and applying it into, you know, making, you know, maps, you know, that are powerful and they tell compelling stories about places. And that's what gets me most excited about data science is, is being able to tell a compelling story, a descriptive story, not just running, you know, a quick model to understand a place, but really understand the nuances of the human, right? And that, yeah, that's very profound. And I, I was thinking about, we had one minute to go, and so I was thinking about uh, that, that program that you participated in, and somebody in the panel said, it's not that you have data science or a specific technical background, it's what problems are you solving? Mm. And that's what you're saying. It's like, Subject matter experts, and you're coming together on that. We are out of time, fortunately, because I'm full of questions to ask you, and I'm I will jot them down, and we'll, the next time we'll have uh, a full full blown. And in fact, I think the next time we'll have a group of people talking about science or a data science plan as well. But I thank you very much for coming today, and I've enjoyed it very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's wonderful was, being here. This was great. Great conversation. Very high level. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to The Workforce Show. This interview and others can be found at WERA.FM or at CareerCentralOnline.com. Thank you for listening. Until the next time.